going to say it like you believe it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your spirit. As I back up, I thank you for the spirit of God stepping up so that everything that is said will bring life and liberty to your people. I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives as we hear, as we receive, and as we do your word. And I declare this now in Jesus' name. And let everybody who believe that say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, we're in our fourth week of the Blessed Life series. And I received a note this week that I want to read to you. It says, Pastor Edmund, I just wanted you to know that God blessed me with an unexpected class action settlement check on yesterday. Although it is not a ton of money, it is enough for me to give tithe, give my miracle offering, and give the pledge that I made for the year. I prayed and asked God to give me the money, and I would give it all back to him. What I received is exactly enough, and I'll have about $2.30 left. I'm believing for great things in my life in my daughter's lives, and I want you to know how much I value my pastors. You and Pastor Sarah are honorable and great stewards of God. I love you both, and I will continue to lift the church up in prayer as well as the staff. You have changed my life. Here is my response. My response was, I am so proud of you and the display of your faith. And I said all that to say this. I am very proud of you as a church, as we go through this blessed life series, because you are getting it. You are getting it. Amen. Not only are you getting it, I commend you because you are hearing the blessed life message and you are applying it in your giving. And uh, what's interesting is, if I was teaching on witnessing... And you were bringing people to church and they were getting saved. I would commend you and be proud of you for that. So I, as your pastor, am very proud of you because you're getting the blessed life. Just for you to know that March, and we're not finished with March, but March was the highest tithing month we have ever had in the history of our church. Come on, give yourselves a hand clap for that. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to John chapter 12. We're going to stay in John chapter 12. And if you're taking notes today, our message title is, Am I Generous? 
Am I generous? John chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 1. And the story we're about to read gives us a great example of generosity being displayed. As a matter of fact, it reads like this. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, he came to Bethany where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper and Martha served him. But then, watch this now. This is, this is interesting. But then Mary took out a pound. Everybody say a pound. A pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. In fact, if you have a physical Bible, why don't you underline very costly? And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Verse 4. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, said, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, the Bible says, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he carried the offering bag. And bear it and that what was in it. Verse 7. Then Jesus said, let her alone against the day of my burying has she done this. Now, when I read this context of scripture, two questions came to mind. And you may want to write the questions down or listen to this again. Here's the first question that came to my mind. Why did Mary give such an extravagant offering? What made her give such a generous offering? That's my first question. Here's my second question. Why did it make Judas upset? Now, I want you to notice that that story we just read, two hearts are displayed. Here's the first heart, a heart of generosity. Everybody say a heart of generosity. But then the second heart that was displayed was a heart of selfishness. Amen. And so there are three points that I'm going to give you this morning regarding generosity that we need to know. And here's the first one. And if you're taking notes, here's the first point, And that is the enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity. And let me just tell you up, up front, the enemy of generosity is selfishness. It's quiet in the house today, isn't it? And this is important to note because it it lets me help you by giving us an easy way of remembering it. So here's what I'm going to do. Generosity starts with a what? A G. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Generosity starts with a G. That's God. Selfishness starts with a what? With an S. That's Satan. So anytime you want to remember, if you're being generous or selfish, just remember which one derives from which one. Generosity derives from? And selfishness derives from? Amen. And here's the truth. We're all born selfish. But here's the good news. We are born again generous. Amen. Amen. 
And if I were to ask most of you, if you would like to give God's way and live God's way, I believe most of you, if not all of you, would say, I want to do that, Pastor. Amen. But see, we have to renew our minds to God's way of doing things or we won't live God's way or give God's way. We have to renew. And that's why Romans 8, 7 says this. The carnal mind is an enemy against God. This is proven when we're first born. One of the first words that a kid learns is mine. After they learn mama and papa, they learn mine. They, they may learn mine before mama and papa because it's only one syllable. Everybody say mine. They learn that word mine and they pronounce it well. And for some reason when they say it and they keep mine, 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 mine. See how irritating that sounds? For some reason, when kids say it, it's just an irritating pitch. And if you've been a parent at any length of time, there is a point where peace overrides justice. Amen. You hear that sound. Mine, 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 mine. Your goal is to find the sound. And typically when you find it, The younger kid has something in their hand pulling from the bigger kid. And you get up there and the kid, mine, mine, mine. And and I just want peace at 51. I just want quiet. And so you say something like, give it to him. And the older kid says something like, but daddy is mine. And we say something like, I don't care. They have some of my stuff too. Give it to them. (laughs) And God wants us to grow out of this mind attitude. It is impossible, impossible to be a generous person if you maintain a mind attitude. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, watch this, I put away childish things. It stopped being about me. And God is wanting us to stop handling, watch this, the money that he has blessed us with like we're children. Because it's hard to trust a child with true riches. Amen. And that's why I think God used the word mine when he refers to the tithe. If you write down, we, we said this verse early in the series, Exodus 13, 1 says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and and of beast. And watch what he says. He says, it is mine. Amen. In other words, don't touch it. And in this story, we read about Judas who, watch this, who looks like he's a giver. He looks like he cares about the poor. 
But what he was really saying is the Lord is not worthy of the gift you're trying to give him. Why give that to the Lord is the best way. I think that he said he was saying. By the way, let me give you the definition of the word extravagant. Because I'm going to use that word throughout the, the lesson. It's the one who has more than you. And see, here's what's sad. It's extravagant until we get it. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, they shouldn't be driving that kind of car. They shouldn't be living in that kind of house until you get that car and until you get that house. See, extravagant is somebody who has more than you. I mean, and people have this attitude that when you have more than average people, you're not humble. But, but that's not true at all. Listen, everybody said years ago. This happened to me when I was about 26. So that was what, about 25 years ago. This happened to me. Uh, I was working for a company. I wasn't a preacher. I was just a believer. I was an outspoken believer. Everybody on my job knew I was a believer. And everybody on your job ought to know you a believer. See, that'll stop you from sleeping with people you're not supposed to when they know you're a believer. That ain't even in my lesson, but I just wanted to throw that in there. No, I, I was a very outspoken believer. And, and I'll never forget, I drove my parents when I was in high school, gave me a 1974 Chevy Nova. And I drove that Nova all through high school. And watch this. I drove that Nova after I got my job in corporate America for almost three years. I, that, that, listen, and I love my Nova. My Nova saw my transformation. No, 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 no. My Nova used to be a mobile bong. If you don't know what a bong is, don't worry about it. I mean, that car could hold some smoke. I got high in the Nova. And so the Nova saw me get saved. So I'm on the job driving this. By that time, it was, it was, it was a Rubik's Cube. It had turned all different kinds of colors. And, you know, my co-workers, you know, talked about me. And one time they bought, this is when car phones was real big. And they, they bought this uh, the fake uh, car phone antenna. You know how, you know. And they put it on my car. It was, watch this, it was lime green. I left it up there too. But then the day came when I bought me a, 300 ZX Turbo with T-tops in it. I'll never forget. I'm coming through the lobby, the main lobby of the company, and the receptionist is there. And she says, oh, I see you got a new car. You shouldn't have got that kind of car. You should have got a like a Volkswagen and given the rest of the money to the poor. She wouldn't say that if she had a 300 ZX. Amen. 
And what's amazing about this story with Mary and Judas is the fact that Judas was the one managing the offering box. Now, I'm going to have you to put your thinking caps on this morning. Remember, Judas was stealing from the box. What's even more shocking is who who picked Judas to do this job. Do you know who picked him to do this? Jesus picked him to do this job. Do you think Jesus knew before he gave Judas the opportunity to manage the money right that he knew he was a thief? Do you knew that Jesus knew that, right? Of course Jesus knew that. Watch this. Because two years before that, Jesus had said, have I not chosen 12 and one of you is a devil? So, so let's think through this. Why would Jesus give Judas this opportunity? Why would he do that knowing Judas was a thief? Why would he do that knowing that he stole money? Well, I believe Jesus was giving Judas an opportunity. Say an opportunity. An opportunity to deal with the problem he did not know he had. Jesus, Judas had a problem. Judas loved money and he didn't know it. You say, well, Pastor Edmund, how, how, do you, how do you know he loved money? Well, first of all, he used to steal out of the box. Second of all, what did he portray Jesus with? 30 pieces of silver. Judas Love money and he didn't know it. And Jesus was trying to give him an opportunity to overcome that problem. And many Christians today love money and they don't know. Just look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to me yet. Now look at him again and say, but he talking to you though. (laughs) Many Christians love money and they don't know it. And watch this. And the tithe is the test for them to see if they do or not. Oh, make no mistake about it now. God doesn't tempt us, but God does test us. Amen. He tested Abraham. God does test us. Do you think it was a coincidence that the Bible says that Judas was a thief? And in Malachi 3, 8, God says that... We rob him in tithe and offering. That, what's another name for robber? A thief. Now in Jamaica they say a thief. So let's practically look at what Judas was doing. He was actually taking money out of the offering basket. So think about this. The offering basket just went by. Judas, instead of putting something in it, was taking something out of it. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there anybody here when the offering basket goes by would take money out of it? I I don't think so. And if you raise your hand, we will have security usher you out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But is there anyone here when the offering basket goes by would take money out? None of us would do that. Okay, let me ask you another question. Is there anyone who would watch this? Keep money in their bank account that belongs in the offering. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It, 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 isn't both of them stealing? 
So when we don't put money in the offering basket that's supposed to be in there, we're doing the same thing Judas was doing. Amen. I got a clap from that rat right back there. So the enemy of generosity is selfishness. Here's point number two, real quickly, is the extravagance of generosity. The extravagance of generosity. And the reason I'm using the word extravagance is because God is an extravagant giver. God didn't just give his son. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his best. And you may not have recognized it, but there are several extravagant gifts and givers in the Bible. So here's what I'm going to do just so I can help you. I want to give you some illustrations of people who gave extravagant gifts in the Bible. David was one of them. We just read it in the offering time. And what you don't know, when you calculate what David gave, in today's dollars, it equated to $21 billion. Now, is that an extravagant offering? Everybody say, that's extravagant. In 2 Chronicles 1.6, the Bible says Solomon offered 1,000 burnt offerings to the Lord. Everybody say, that's extravagant. In Mark chapter 12, verse 42, there's another extravagant giver that most people wouldn't consider extravagant. And that is the widow woman who gave two mites. Now, I want to read the story out of the Living Bible. This is Mark chapter 12, verse 41. I'm going to read it through the Living Bible so that you can see it. Because, see, if you don't watch it, you will think extravagant is all about the amount. Watch this. It says, then he went over the collection boxes in the temple and he sat and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Let me tell you something. God watches us and our giving every Sunday. And he watches during the week. He watches all the time. See, whether somebody see us or not, he does. What Jesus said, and he watched people drop money in. Some who were rich put in large amounts, verse 42. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two pennies. He called his disciples to him and said, that poor widow has given more than all those rich men put together. For they gave a little, watch this, of their extra fat. Now see, that word fat going to come in in just a minute. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have some fat? Now look at him again and say, I'm talking about financially, not physically. He said, they gave out of their fat. And then it goes on to say, while she gave up her last penny. Listen to me. It's not the amount that we give. It's the heart attitude and our willingness to obey God when we give it. See, that's why the tithe is not an amount. It's a percent. Let me, can, can I tell you something that you probably don't know? I don't know who tithes and who don't tithe. Unless I'm having to deal with a situation that requires that, I don't know who tithes and who don't. You know why? I don't want to know who the biggest giver is, even though I am in the church right now. But I don't know the rest of them. You know why? I don't care. I don't want to look at you as a money symbol. As a matter of fact, I don't want that to tempt me to treat you differently. 
So I treat everybody the same. I don't care how much money you give or how much money you don't give. You're going to get the same treatment from Pastor Edmund. Give me a hand clap right there in Jesus' name. When Mary gave, it was equivalent to 300 denarii. Now, a denarii, the word denarii, is the plural of denarius, which in those days was a day's wages. In other words, she gave a year's worth of day wages. So think about this. You work 300 days and you give the whole amount to the Lord. That's what she did. That's why it was extravagant because she gave, watch this, a year's wages and poured it on Jesus' feet. Let me ask you a question. Would a year of wages that you've earned be extravagant? Absolutely. Would it be extravagant to pour it on somebody's feet? My God, listen, that's like buying somebody a pair of shoes that costs a year's salary. Let me ask you another question. Could you give a gift to God that would impress him? Now, I'm talking about amount now. I'm not talking about nothing else. I'm talking about an amount. Could you give a gift, an amount that would impress God? Well, let me remind you who we're talking about. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We're talking about the God who lives in heaven where the streets are made, not paved, made out of gold. In fact, the New Jerusalem, because there's going to be a New Jerusalem, it is 1,380 miles long. It is 1,380 miles wide. Don't think he's going to decorate the New Jerusalem any different than he's done heaven. God is not a broke God. So let me ask you this question again. Could you give a gift that would impress him? Let me ask that question. Yes. Why? Because the biggest gift you can give him is your heart. Amen. 2 Corinthians 8.5 says this. But they first gave their own selves to the Lord. You see, giving is about the heart. Now, I'm about to say something hard. Touch your neighbor and say, he's about to say something hard. Don't tell me that God has your heart if he does not have your money. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you know Jesus said that two times in the New Testament? The other time was in Luke chapter 12, verse 34. So let's talk about giving. There are three levels of giving. Everybody say three levels. There are three levels of giving. First, you have the tithe. I would call that the first tenth. Okay, so we have the tithe. The second level of giving is offering. Say offering. And I also call that fat. Because remember, uh, when uh, Abel gave, he gave the firstborn and some fat. And notice Jesus said that those rich people gave out of their fat, their their excess. So you have tithe offering. Here's the third level of giving, and that is extravagant offerings or sacrifice 
Oh, I'm going to use one that's more toward me. I call this third level painful offerings. Because sometimes what God wants you to give hurts. Did you know that most Christians never reach level one? In fact, last year, statistics show that only five to seven percent of Christians in America gave a tithe or more to their church. Only that means 95 to 97 percent of us never reach the first level. But let me tell you a secret. If you get to the first level, you will get to the second level and the third level. You know why? Because when you do the first level, it breaks the curse. Amen. There's a testimony of a guy I know. Uh, he works for a church now, but back then he owned a company, very successful. Uh, he had been running his company for 15 years or so. And uh, one night he was up paying all his bills and stuff, so he paid all of his bills. And when he got done, he looked at the balance of his checking account, and it was a lot of money. And so then he decided, you know what, I'm going to go and look into my investment account. He looked over there, and it was a lot of money. And then when he looked over here into his savings account, and it was a lot of money. And then when he went over and looked at his retirement account, it was a lot of money. So he went to bed that night. When he woke up the next morning, the Lord said, how much money you got? He was like, uh, what do you mean? Like, like in my pocket right now? No. How much money you have? In my checking account? He said, no, you know what I mean. How much money did you add up last night? And he was like, so he finally told the Lord what that big amount was. And the Lord said, would you give it to me? And the first thing that hit the guy was fear. Because that's the first thing that hits us, fear. But then he realized God was asking him to do something that he does not ask the average person. He was asking him to give it all. So he went and talked to his wife about it and they gave everything away. Everything. And so... A business calendar year went by. So the rest of that year went by, and then a whole business calendar year went by. And uh, in his quiet time one time, the Lord said to him, how much money you got? He was like, I'm good, Lord. I don't need to count. I'm good. I'm good. Because, see, until the Lord asks you for all, you don't know how it feels. But the Lord said, well, how much money you got? He says, uh, I'm good, Lord. He said, no, I want you to count it. When he went back and counted it, watch this now. He had double of what he had the year before. Listen, and God said to him, I did more in a year than it took you 15 years to do. If there was a shortcut to financial success, which there is not one, but if there was one, it's giving. See, I've given past my peers. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Some people look at me. Uh, when I go through the drive-thru, they ask me, what do you do? One day, I'm going to shock them and say, I do drugs. <laughs> that would shock them, wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't do drugs. Just, uh, just. 
I don't do drugs. So this leads me to my third and final point, and we're finishing up here. We're talking about the reward of generosity. Everybody say the reward of generosity. See, he, what, what would make, we, we know why Judas, we know why he, you know, hated on, on Mary's giving, but why did she give such a, an extravagant gift? Well, two years before, Jesus had raised her brother up from the dead. I mean, how how would you give if God raised somebody you love from the dead? Wouldn't that impact your giving? Here it was. Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And see, what you and I don't need to forget, you and I used to be dead in our trespasses and sin. Oh, yeah. In fact, the Bible says, and I'll give you the verse, the Bible says... Uh, that not only were we dead in our trespasses and sins, but that we have been made alive through God, through Christ Jesus. Amen. This story we read about Mary pouring out this extravagant gift on Jesus, it was recorded in Matthew and Mark. And one of the verses in Mark says this as I close. Wherever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, This also, what she has done, will be spoken of for a memorial. In other words, remember now, my third point is the reward of generosity. This woman was rewarded for giving her extravagant gift. Watch this. To the point where we're talking about her today. But watch this. But she didn't give her gift to get something. She did not give her gift to give something. You see, generosity comes from gratitude. It comes from gratefulness. It comes from a person who is thankful. And let me just tell you this. People who are generous are grateful too. Last week, Pastor James said God told him to tell Word of Truth Family Church for us to wear gratitude I wonder if what you're complaining about you should be thanking God about I know your car just broke down but why can't you thank God that you got one I I know your husband ain't acting the way you want him to but, but why can't you thank him that you got one I know your kids may not be doing what you want them to do in school, but why can't you be thankful that you had children because there are some people who can't? God wants us to have a grateful heart. Because here's why. A grateful heart will always be a generous heart. Did you get something out of the lesson this morning? Give the Lord a hand clap. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, if I died, I'm not sure I'd.